Welcome to the 300th episode of Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. And have you ever wondered what is author media and where does it come from? Somehow, I have recorded 300 episodes of this podcast and I have never once told the history or the story of the company behind the show. So I figured 300 episodes is long enough. Uh, and after that, I'm going to take questions from our live studio audience. Uh, this is recorded online, so you can't hear them in the background, but we have folks registered from all over North America, Africa, uh, all over Europe. We have somebody from Izmir, Turkey, and several people from Sydney, Australia. So waking up early to come here live for the live recording. I am, of course, Thomas Umstead Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a difference with writing worth talking about. So where did Author Media come from? Well, it all started in 2007. I was still in college, and I was working on a book about video game addiction, of all things. <laughs> and I started going to writers' conferences uh, to learn how to get my book published. And I remember sitting in a class, a marketing session at this writer's conference, and the presenter was saying, you need to get a blog, you need to build a website. And I'm looking around and all of these authors are just terrified. They're like, how do we do this? And the late, and so, you know, people would ask at the end of the talk, how do we get a website? How do we get a blog? And the lady presenting, she had found a high schooler in her neighborhood that had built her website for her. And so she was like, oh, just find a five-year-old. Any five-year-old can build you a website. And it was really unhelpful answer to that really big question. And I remember being dazzled being around authors for the first time, right? I'm still a college student. I don't know anything, but I do know how to build websites. I've been building them since I was 13 years old. So uh, I had made friends with this one author who's in my area. And I was like, I can build you a website on WordPress, no problem. In fact, I'll do it for free. She's like, you will. <laughs> so I built her website and she loved it. And then she started recommending me to all of her friends. And I was like, well, I'm not going to just be building free websites all the time. So I started charging her friends. And then next time I went to a writer's conference, I spent a couple of hours and put together a brochure on my in pages on my computer, uh, advertising my website selling services. So I was primarily at that conference. I was still pitching my proposal to agents and editors, but I also had some of these brochures with me and I would hand them out to authors and authors would come and ask me for them. And I had authors writing me a check. They'd never met me before and they wrote me a check sight unseen for a new website. I was like, I found a real need here. <laughs> these people really need help with technology. They need help with websites. And so I spent more and more time building websites for authors and less and less time uh, working on my own book. And that book never did get published. <laughs> I never uh, pursued it to publication. But after a while, I was so busy building websites for authors that I started hiring other people to work with me. And they would help me uh, build websites for authors. And then in 2009, I launched authortechtips.com. So to practice what we preach, we're like, well, we should have a blog that helps authors with marketing and with technology. This is in the very early days of social media. So a lot of people had questions about how do I get signed up for Twitter? You know, how do I use Facebook? These were really basic questions. And at the time, no one else really had a technology blog for authors. There were millions of technology blogs, but they were all for business people. We were the first ones or one of the first ones to start translating 
technology for authors. And we got a lot of attention for that. Writer's Digest featured us several times as one of the most helpful websites for authors. In fact, they've continued on and off featuring us. In fact, the most recent uh, issue of their magazine that talks about most helpful websites for authors, we're on the list. <laughs> so they've featured us again. And this is the first time they mentioned the podcast, which is uh, very encouraging. So now we can say that Writer's Digest has recognized the novel marketing podcast as being helpful for authors. And by this time, I was graduated from college and really making this my full-time job, building websites for authors. And my company at this time was Umstat Media. I'm Thomas Umstat, so the company is Umstat Media. And it turned out that was a really bad company name. <laughs> so in 2011, we changed the name of authortechtips.com to authormedia.com. I had to buy Author Media from the person who owned it. But it was well worth paying more for a good domain. And this is perhaps my first tip. A lot of people like have a, some kind of moral objection to paying somebody for a domain. And I don't think that that makes sense. Domains are like real estate and location, 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 right? It's better to pay a few hundred dollars or even a few thousand dollars and own, you know, yourname.com than to, if you can afford it, than to buy, you know, author yourname.com, you know, for free or for just the registration price. And the reason why I moved away from Umstat Media and started having the company be called Author Media it's because no one can spell Umstat. <laughs> Still to this day, in fact, I thought about having a prize for the first person to spell Umstat correctly in the chat, but I realized that the name is right up here in this live screen. So it's not, it's not much of a competition. And then in 2012, we launched Castle Media Group LLC. So I finally created a business entity. Uh, I probably should have done this a little bit sooner, quite frankly, but you know, I was... I was young. <laughs> so anyway, we launched Castle Media Group LLC, and that had different DBAs. And one of the DBAs uh, doing business as or an assumed name was Author Media. So Castle Media Group was kind of the parent company over Author Media. And at the, around the same time, I also launched my first course, Network, which was called the Bestseller Society, because I had been uh, speaking at conferences. So another advantage of being one of the only people who's translating technology for authors, or at least at the time, was that I got a lot of invites to speak at writers' conferences. And so it's like, well, I should create some an online course for authors. And I teamed up with a couple of other authors, a successful fiction author and a successful nonfiction author, and we created the Bestseller Society. And it was full of videos and trainings, a lot like what I'm doing today, except the difference was... It was not 2021, it was 2012. And the technology for doing online courses was the worst. Oh, it was just so bad. And instead of trying to adapt our business model for what the technology was able to do at the time, we tried to customize the technology. And by this time, I've got 10 people working for me building off their websites. And I've got two of them just trying to get the Bestseller Society website working reliably. It was just really awful. I'm so thankful for Teachable and being able to just have a turnkey solution. But there was no Teachable in 2012. But it was a great learning experience for me on how to teach online. And it's when I first started to do webinars, there's still recordings of some of those webinars. And what's really sad is that the recording quality is awful. The webinar technology back then, at least what we were using, was uh, telephone quality, which is lower than radio, which is lower than like baseline internet, which is much lower than what you're getting right now. 
So uh, back when I was a kid, we had to scratch our webinars on stone tablets. It was terrible. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that was a, a lesson learned. And we did have students who went through it and you know, they, they enjoyed the classes. But uh, strategically, I think it was a, a mistake. We, we were ahead of the technology. And then in 2013, we finally get to the launch of the Novel Marketing Podcast. Uh, I launched this podcast along with James L. Rubart who for a long time was my co-host. And I I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show, but the original purpose of the Novel Marketing Podcast, we were wanting to promote the Bestseller Society, but we also planned to write a book called Novel Marketing. And the only remnants of this book is if you go to the Novel Marketing page on Facebook and it says what page type it is, it says type book. It's facebook.com forward slash novel marketing books because forward slash novel marketing was taken. (laughs) So... we never did write that book, but that was our uh, original goal for launching the podcast. And the other thing that we did that year was we're building all these websites, right? I've got this big team, we're building websites, and the most time-consuming part of building an author website, especially for a successful author, the kind of author who could afford a company to build their website, was building out the book pages. Because for a good search engine optimized book page, each book needs to have its own page on your website. And if you're a just getting first getting started as an author, you have one book, you create a page for that book. It's no problem. But once you have a dozen books, you need to have a page for each one of those books. And maybe these three are in a series and these four are with this co-author and connecting the books in the right way becomes a really tedious task. And I was losing a lot of money paying my employees by the hour to do that work. And so we had built a tool in-house for helping us build author websites called My Book Table. And starting in 2012, 2013, the indie revolution was starting to take off. And more and more authors, instead of getting a $5,000 or $10,000 check from their publisher, which typically the first thing they would do when they got that check is go and buy a new website, more and more authors were choosing to publish the book uh, themselves (laughs) right, uh, and pay money out of pocket. And so instead of having $5,000 to spend, they were spending $5,000 in During that time, website budgets just collapsed. The amount of money people were willing to spend for a website really got smaller. And so we're like, we need to make tools for people who are building their own websites. So we launched a WordPress plugin called MyBookTable. But I didn't launch it to the public. We just put it on Kickstarter just to see if there was demand. We had a goal of $2,500 and people got excited. Authors from all over the world spread the word about it. And we ended up raising over $10,000 to fund the kind of finishing work on that plugin to to make it ready for the real world, for authors to use. It's one thing to make a tool for uh, website professionals to use. It's another thing to make a tool for authors to use, especially ones that don't have a lot of uh, technical experience. So that plugin is still, to this day, the most popular WordPress bookstore plugin for authors, or at least it was last time I, I checked the numbers. And then we're like, wow, WordPress plugins are the way to go. So we doubled down on making... WordPress plugin. So in 2014, we made a plugin called My Speaking Events, which was a calendar plugin to show off all of your speaking events. Because at the time, there wasn't any good WordPress calendar plugins. And it was a real hassle to show all the times you're speaking. And then we had some cool functionality where it would roll once the date passed, it would go from upcoming events to previous events. And that plugin, while it was a great plugin, was a strategic mistake. Because it turned out the market for authors who are building their own websites and who want to show off all of their upcoming speaking events is actually very small. 
most professional speakers, once they're speaking that often, they have a staff to update their website for them. They don't really need this plugin. And authors who aren't that successful don't want to show off the fact that they only have two speaking events scheduled for the rest of the year. They don't want that to be obvious because it makes them look less popular. And so while we did have a successful Kickstarter for that, and we didn't have happy users for that, it never took off. It never set the world on fire, uh, which was a good uh, lesson learned. I should have set the goal for the Kickstarter to be higher uh, for that plugin. And if you go back to the older episodes of Novel Marketing, the really old ones, you'll hear me you know, announcing we did a whole episode launching this plugin. Uh, and then in 2015, we did another plugin. We did My Book Progress, which is a plugin for showing the progress of your writing. And we kind of had this plugin do two different things. It was for showing off your progress on your website, saying, hey, my second draft is 75% done. And people could click a button to sign up for email updates. But we also put a lot of work into building this accountability engine into the back end where the book, you could set your writing goal and that your website would keep you up to date on whether or not you're hitting your writing goal. And uh, I don't know how popular that accountability engine part piece of it ever ended up being. Uh, you can let me know in the chat if any of you used the accountability piece, right? If you use my book progress to help keep you motivated in writing and be very curious if that part, because that was 90% of the work. And I don't think that particular piece was particularly interesting. It's still there though. If you want your website to help keep you accountable behind the scenes, <laughs> it still does that. And then has a kind of an abbreviated version it shares with the public. And we also launched my book table two that year. And Really, this was a big transition year where we really stopped building websites for authors, for new clients. We continued maintaining our client websites. And in fact, we still do. A significant piece of author media still maintaining the author websites that we built, you know, five years or 10, now 10 years ago. But we stopped taking on new clients around this time. And again, because that shift to indie, right? I don't know if I have a poll on this on uh, folks who are live, you know, how are you planning? Yeah, so we hit, we had a poll. How do you plan to publish? Uh, 42% of you said you plan to publish independently. And then another 17% are hybrid. And then 12% are unsure. Only 27% of those of you tuning in are planning to publish traditionally. And some of you who are planning to publish traditionally may end up going indie, depending on uh, how things go. So, that was something we had to really adapt to because <laughs> the whole ec economics of author websites really shifted. So in 2016, I sold Bestseller Society to the Christian Writers Institute and we released my book, Table 3. And then in 2017, James L. Rubart needed a new computer. His computer was about to die and we couldn't put out new episodes with him not having a good computer. So like, we need to get some money for Jim to get a new computer. And so we're like, let's put together a course to fund Jim's new computer. <laughs> and that, so we're like, what, what course should we create? And, and somebody had asked, you know, I need a five-year plan for becoming a best-selling author as a question for the podcast. And we started outlining an episode to answer that question. Then we had like two or three episodes to answer this question. And we've learned not to do two or three episodes on the same topic because if somebody doesn't care about the answer to that question, they're not going to stick around with a podcast for three weeks, or they may not, right? They get tired. And so we're like, maybe we should just do a whole course on uh, how to become a best-selling author and walk you through the first quarter of the first year. What should you be doing? What should you be working on? What do you not need to worry about? And so we sat down and uh, he actually flew to Austin and we in person 
recorded that whole course over several days. We've been working on, you know, the outlines and material for it. And that was my first time back into the course creation business for like five years of not making courses. And uh, that course is still really popular and people are still using it to this day. And it's really encouraging. In fact, I know many of you in the chat, I recognize uh, from the five-year plan. So many of you here live are in the five-year plan and you can say whether you like it or not. <laughs> Let everyone know if you're unhappy about the course or if you're happy about it, you can shout out in the chat. And so in 2018, we decided to take everything kind of to the next level. That's when we launched our Patreon. We started um, investing in the quality of the podcast. It's also when we moved to a consistently weekly format. So for those of you who've been listening to novel marketing for a long time, especially you old timers who go back to 2013, you know that we were never really a weekly show. We tried to be a weekly show and we missed a lot of weeks. And then we just were you know, twice a month show. And sometimes we'd still miss episodes. <laughs> we were not a very consistent podcast. For everyone who tells you, oh, your podcast has to be consistent for it to be successful. I, I It took me five years to make this show a consistent show. But anyway, starting 2018, we really shifted into making it an every week episode, which was a lot more work. And we also started doing some podcast production because I, I brought on a podcast editor. No, I think I was doing it myself at this time. But I started uh, editing other people's podcasts, too, on the side. I don't know what I was thinking. And we launched the Book Launch Blueprint. So I know many of you are Book Launch Blueprint grads. If you are, feel free to shout out in the chat. The book launch blueprint uh, was kind of like the polar opposite of the five-year plan. So the five-year plan is like, here's your whole career mapped out. And the book launch blueprint is like, okay, you have 30 days and your book is launching. What do you do? <laughs> it's very focused. And we still do that course. We do uh, That course is different in that we only open it up once a year. And everybody does day one together. Everyone does day two together. And it's this very intense, very fun 30-day process. It's life-changing and it's intense. And you don't forget it. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's it's our most popular class in terms of how much people enjoy it. Yeah, people are shouting in the chat. Book launch is fantastic. BLB is the best. Yay, BLB. Yeah, so it's, it's a great course. I know many of you already gone through it. We'll be doing it again early 2022 for those of you who haven't gone through it. And I also, because I was an idiot, decided somebody, uh, the Steve Lobby Agency is like, hey, would you like to be a literary agent? And I said, Sure, why not? <laughs> so, so I'm not busy enough with all these other things I'm doing. Let me also be a literary agent. And I was doing so much that come 2019, I had a mental breakdown. I was, I was so busy and so, spread so thin that one day I could not get out of bed because I was so overwhelmed. And I basically was in bed the entire day, completely non-functional. And uh, something had to give. And I talked to Jim about it. James L. Rubart, my co-host, and he was like, yeah, me too. I'm also spread too thin. So I had a very famous episode of Novel Marketing around that time where I was really transparent. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm doing too much. And Jim was saying, I'm doing too much. And for Jim, cutting back meant cutting the Novel Marketing podcast because for him, this wasn't one of the core things. So he's still a, a frequent guest. I still love having him on the show. But now he doesn't have that obligation of every single week having to help put together an episode because it's become a really big project. Novel marketing episodes take between 15 and 30 hours, man hours of work every week to put on. So it's it's almost a full-time job just to do the episodes. Now, fortunately, I have a team helping me because I wouldn't be able to do any courses. If I was doing nothing but 
all of the different tasks, but it's a lot of work putting out uh, this podcast every single week. And so and every week we're editing the next week, we're planning future weeks, we're scheduling guests for even more future weeks. We're working on the blog post stuff going on. Oh, and James Elrubert's on the chat. So we're going to bring him on. He'll be one of our special guests here, here in a second. So Jim was spread thin. I was spread thin. And so I started just cutting things. I sold the plugins. I sold all of the plugins. This was hard. These were my babies. We just shared the story. Like this was the main focus of several years of my life was launching these plugins. And I sold them all to Storm Hill Media. And I stepped down from being a literary agent and I just pruned and pruned and pruned because I need to be there for my family. I needed to be able to get out of bed. And I was spread so thin that I was just failing everywhere. The podcast wasn't very good back then or wasn't as good as it could have been because it wasn't my number one priority. It wasn't Jim's number one priority. We were both like struggling just to schedule time to do it because we were both like, you know, we had a dozen balls we're juggling or probably the better metaphor. If any of you watch I Love Lucy, there's a an episode of that where Lucy's working in a chocolate factory and the, they have to package these chocolates in the conveyor belt. So it's going faster and faster until suddenly there's more chocolates than they can put the little wrappers around. So they start putting the chocolates in their mouth while they're wrapping the the rappers until finally they're like their mouths are stuffed so full and they're like they and the, that was Jim and me we were both like chipmunks of chocolate dripping out of our mouths and the, the podcast was suffering so we 2019 was a really rough year in terms of, of pruning and I was like but 2020 will be better <laughs> once once I'm done with this pruning we'll get to 2020 2020 is going to be a great year and then 2020 happened <laughs> we had a baby in December of 2019 our second baby our uh, baby number two, Tommy, Tom, Thomas Gregory Amstead III, grew up his whole life in a pandemic <laughs> so far uh, and locked down. He hardly, for that first year, he hardly left the house because for the first two months, there was no lockdowns. But our pediatrician's like, don't take the baby out. Don't take the baby to church. You know, your baby's immune system is really small. And so we went to church one time in March. And then there was no church the next Sunday. <laughs> so anyway, 2020 is happening. But I was in a good position personally, because I'd done all of that pruning, that I actually had some spare capacity in my life. And I saw everyone's freaking out, all the conferences are canceled. And so I was like, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to do a series of free webinars on all the topics that I normally give at conferences. And I did I don't know, half a dozen or a dozen webinars, free webinars where I you know, pull up my slides and I would present. And those were a big hit. And uh, people really enjoyed them. It really grew our email list because people would start inviting their friends uh, to the future ones. And because we did that right away. So we were doing those in April of 2020, right? The, the big push into webinars, everyone else started doing it in October and November. But we were doing it in uh, April and they were really well attended. And we also uh, had our biggest attendance for the book launch blueprint that year. In fact, I'm going to guess that many of you in the chat, the year you did the book launch blueprint was in 2020 because everyone's locked at home. You can't do anything. So you might as well work on your upcoming book launch. And that's also the year that I launched the mastermind groups. So again, I had more capacity and I really wanted to focus on what I personally most enjoy doing which isn't actually doing marketing for authors. It's teaching marketing and teaching publishing. I enjoy the teaching part. So I wanted to do teaching and, and a little bit of coaching. And so I started these small groups where I could do kind of mentor a group of five or six, a maximum of 10 people. 
And we launched those mastermind groups in 2020. They both filled up really quickly. And so I took one of them, I split it in two. So we now have three mastermind groups. And I really enjoy doing those groups. It's a lot of fun. And it's been fun working with the same authors month after month, where when they ask advice, I can give them personalized advice rather than general advice. Because sometimes general advice does not apply in specific situations. I also launched Obscure No More, which is our big uh, signature course that covers all of platform building. But what was different about that course is that I launched it in beta. And I've been slowly over the months since 2020, adding sessions to Obscure No More as it gets bigger and more complete in helping authors build their platform. So now that brings us to 2021, this year. One of the biggest things holding authors back was social media. They were losing a lot of time on social media. They were losing a lot of energy on social media. And it wasn't helping them build their platforms. And they're getting a lot of bad advice on social media. And I've been talking and warning authors about social media for a long time. But I thought maybe I should do something about it. So in 2021, I launched authormedia.social, which is a social network just for authors. And there's a place to discuss the Novel Marketing Podcast. There's also a place to discuss my other podcast, The Christian publishing show. And then we have specific places for discussing platform and promotions. If you have a platform or promotion question, you can post it there and maybe I'll answer it, but most definitely somebody will. And the community has been really great answering each other's questions. We also have a publishing space and a craft space. And then I was like, you know, this isn't Facebook. We don't have just a single feed we have to protect. We can have these different boards or different spaces and Authors can join a space or not, which allowed us to create some really fun kind of specific spaces. And so we created one that's a job board. If you're looking to hire an editor or a cover designer, or you need a virtual assistant, you can post your job there. And if you are a virtual assistant or an editor or a cover designer, you can post your services there. One time, one time per person, don't spam the board. But, you know, what normally be forbidden, right? Every Facebook group has rules, right? If you're an editor, don't post that you do editing because that's just a one feed and they have to really guard it. I didn't have to do that. And it's been really fun to see people get their whole businesses established, being able to find clients and authors who didn't know who to hire are now getting multiple introductions of other folks who are in the author media community, right? Because really, we're not promoting author media.social outside of the author media family. So if somebody's on that community on, on author media.social, it's a good chance they listen to one of the podcasts, right? They, they're they hopefully savvier than the typical author uh, and certainly savvier than the random person giving advice on Facebook. Because some of the people doing that, they're not even authors. <laughs> they haven't written a book in their life, but they're still giving out advice. And then we also added a collaboration board. So if you're looking for guests for your podcast or you're wanting to be booked as a guest on somebody else's podcast, or maybe you're looking for guest bloggers or you're wanting to find a co-author or a critique partner, been really fun watching authors connect with each other on the collaboration board. And then we have also a celebrations board where you can post that your book is launched and everyone will celebrate with you. Another thing that's often forbidden in the Facebook groups and people can turn the notifications on or off for that board. And it's really fun to have a place where you can celebrate a book launch and link to it so other folks will buy it. And then I launched a deals board a little bit later on, which I really like because one of the businesses that I wanted to start was called Author Deals. I had two names, Author Deals or Frugal Author. And the business model was every week I'd send out an email for some discount for something for authors that was cheaper than normal, right? Oh, Scrivener's on sale today, that sort of thing. And the problem was 
I, I was spread so thin launching another business and doing all the work for that. Way too much work. But now that I have authormedia.social, anytime I stumble upon a really good deal, I just post it to the deals board. <laughs> if you go there right now, you'll see a whole bunch of really cool discounts on a lot of really cool tools to help you as an author. And then there's a fun board where people post jokes and it's mostly Jonathan Schrigger who's has marine humor and he posts a lot of marine humor. Uh, I'd encourage the rest of you to also post jokes there. <laughs> so it's not just stuff that's funny for Marines and, but it's enjoy. I, I enjoy it and I enjoy Jonathan's humor, <laughs> but it's, it, that's for kind of off topic type discussions. So anyway, that's authormedia.social. I know many of you live, you're already on authormedia.social. In fact, I had a poll question asking how many of you are on authormedia.social and 56% of you are, and almost 6% of you said you just signed up. If you add those together, we're at uh, two-thirds, just, just over uh, two-thirds of you are on uh, authormedia.social and using it. So that makes me very happy. So anyway, looking forward, what I'm working on right now is a course on how to start a podcast. It's one of the most common questions that I get from authors. They want to start a podcast to promote their genre and promote their books. So I'm hard at work. I've already recorded the first module for it. I'll probably long-term sell that course separately, but right now everyone who's a student of Obscure No More gets this whole course for free. So uh, now is a good time to sign up for Obscure No More because the beta discount is still available. So if you use the coupon code beta, you save two-thirds off the price of the course. It's like 65, 66% discount. So that is the story of Author Media. And with that, let's give something away. So I'm going to give away a copy of Obscure No More to one lucky author. And while I am doing the random number generator, I'm going to play a commercial. I used to feel overwhelmed by conflicting advice about writing and publishing. Social media distracted me from what I most wanted to do, write my book. I felt depressed, discouraged, and anxious about my writing. A friend asked if I had been checked for TMFG, too many Facebook groups. TMFG keeps approximately 72% of writers from reaching their publishing goals. Fortunately, there is a treatment, a new social network called authormedia.social that allows you to reduce your dependence on Facebook groups to connect with other authors. Authormedia.social is not for everyone. If you are serious about developing your craft, growing your platform, and connecting with other writers, authormedia.social may be for you. Side effects may include increased focus, greater clarity, raising enthusiasm, more time to write. Ask your doctor about authormedia.social today. So it's www.authormedia.social. So the name is the address. James L. Rubart, welcome to the 300th episode of the Novel Marketing Podcast. There's no way I was going to miss it. No way. <laughs> congratulations, Thomas. Well, thank you. Well, congratulations to you. For those of you who are new, you may not recognize Jim, but he was here for the first, I don't know, 200 episodes, I think. 210? I don't know. 210, two... something like that. Uh, somebody yeah. in the chat can look up exactly when he there uh, had his, but then it's hard to count because you come back. He's he's kind of like a uh, character on a TV show who used to be on every episode, and now he only comes back every once in a while because he's now doing Hollywood stuff. <laughs> he got too big for us. <laughs> Guest appearances. Yeah, indeed. Really fun to be here. Really fun to be reading all the comments in the chat, too. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what uh, you've been up to. What What is the Hollywood stuff? Taylor and I, my son and I, we're, we're partners in the Rubart Writing Academy, and Taylor came up with this idea to develop the ultimate guide to Christian writing conferences. And so that course is, it's actually done and we've started selling it. So we've gone, we've done a couple of webinars where we have gone specifically, for example, we just did the Florida Christian writing conference where Eva Marie had us uh, do a webinar for her folks. And we kind of teach 
just about all we can in an hour. We ask some questions, and then if they want the advanced thing, we we sell them the course. I've been doing that. Been working on a book for fathers and sons. We have two Rubart Writing Academies coming up this fall. And as crazy as it sounds, Thomas mentioned earlier, the year's almost up. I'm already starting to develop my talks for some conferences I'll be speaking at next year. So yeah, a lot going on. And a lot of audiobook narration. I'm starting. Yeah, to, I've been doing uh, a lot of audiobook narration. I'm I'm just about to start on my sixth book this year, audiobook narration. And I just discover I absolutely love it. So if you would like me to voice your audiobook, send me an email and we can we can talk about it. And I know some of you are thinking, only six books doesn't only take five or six hours to read an audiobook. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a lot more work. Uh, than just reading and clicking record, reading and then clicking stop. Jim, do you want to stick around for some of the Q and A? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, love to. So, yeah. Yeah, don't feel like you have to stick around the whole time, but since we have you here, I might as well have you to bring on some of these questions. So let's go to Care Took, and you have a question about strategy. So, what's your question? This, well, what significant marketing strategies or changes would you to recommend to indie authors? in light of all the cultural economic changes that we're seeing? Great question. So it's actually a really good time to be in publishing. So with people spending more time at home, they're buying a lot more books and they're buying more paper books. They're buying more eBooks. The publishing industry has had the two best years in recent history. I mean, the numbers are all through the roof in, in almost every genre with a few exceptions. So horror has had a rough time. <laughs> People are like, I'm getting enough of that on TV. <laughs> I don't need to add to that. <laughs> I don't Thanks. want horror. I don't want uh, something too dark. Whereas the lighter genres, the more escapist genres are doing really well. Uh, and nonfiction is doing really well. And children's books are doing the best. <laughs> you're locked at home. Yeah. Your kids have spent 10 hours on TV or on their iPad. And you're like, this can't be healthy. And so you go and you buy all of the books. And you start handing them, hoping that they'll do better. In terms of marketing tactics... The online tactics are more important now because depending on where you live, there's less stuff happening in person. Here in Texas, life's more or less back to normal. Uh, but I know in other places, they're, they're pretty still locked down and there's not a lot of public events. Like the episode I did on selling in person just a couple of weeks ago, that episode will be more useful for people depending on where you are in the country right now. So maybe it won't be useful if you live in California until sometimes in the future. So th those are some of the big tactics uh, that I've noticed. Email is more important now. Podcasting is more important because more people are listening to podcasts than they were before. And so it's really, it's interesting. If you look at the trends, th the pandemic didn't really reverse a lot of trends. It amplified a lot of trends, right? There was already a trend of people working at home. The pandemic did that more so, right? There was already a trend of, of businesses going cashless, pandemic helped that be more so. There was already growth in the publishing industry and growth in indie publishing. Pandemic helped that happen more so. Great. Thanks. It's not necessarily this time of life. This is always, but it's something that I think we overlook as indie authors. And that is, how do you connect with your audience? We think of connecting with our audience as posting something on social media or sending out a newsletter, but it always comes down to that intimate one-on-one -on -one connection. 
And by that, I mean at the bottom of your newsletters that you send out, you want to say, I would love to hear from you personally. I read and respond to every single email. And I do that with Rubart Writing Academy. And I do. I take the time to respond. And that touch, that that one-on-one -on -one touch with somebody, that's what makes somebody go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Jim actually uh, and I've had that with readers. I can't believe this isn't, I, I get, this isn't really Jim or, or I get, I never thought you'd respond to me. And so that personal touch is really, really important. So I would spend time on that. Well, thank you, Care, for coming thank on the you. show. Yeah, you made a difference. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, congratulations. You have the highest voted question. All right. Next up is Jonathan Schrigger. Congratulations, Thomas. So my question is about using quizzes. So on your deals board a few weeks back, you shared a deal from AppSumo, which was about uh, quiz making software, uh, smart quiz builder, I think. And so I did that and it generated a ton of traffic to my website. I have people emailing me and messaging me and telling me their results. It's pretty great. So should I keep this for lead generation only? I kind of had, I changed the continue button to where it goes to the sales page. I'm not sure if I should be adding something else in there or what you think. So first off, I, I did an episode last year on using quizzes to build your email list. And I had a guest on the podcast who grew her email list from 2000 to 24,000 e email subscribers in one year using survey software, just like what Jonathan's using. And after that episode, everybody wanted to put a survey on their website. And then they went and saw how expensive that software was. And most of them said, nope, <laughs> and then they didn't do it. And um, I found that deal on the brand new software, which is, I forget the name of it. It's a like quiz and survey master, quiz and survey pro. It's got a really generic sounding name, but the company behind it's a legit company and it's a one-time purchase. So instead of paying you know, 50 bucks a month, it's, I don't know, it's 50 bucks, 60 bucks one time. And you can do unlimited quizzes and, it doesn't have any of those normal kinds of restrictions. So the quiz that you did, and I actually took it. And I, I'm a wolf maiden, apparently. <laughs> I've always a, thought of you as a fierce warrior princess, so I thought that was fitting. Yeah, so I think your quiz is trash. <laughs> but, um, but it actually, getting that kind of result, it's like, oh, well, now I got to fight it, right? I'm not a wolf maiden. I'm a you know Viking warrior or whatever. But you had questions based off of your book, and it was a personality type survey of like, which book character are you, right? It's a very simple, straightforward tactic that anybody writing fiction can use. But it's where it gets really interesting is when you use it for nonfiction because you can start to get to know your audience better and you can guide them to, you know, oh, I have a podcast episode answering this particular question. You can really kind of lead them through the process. Uh, for fiction... It's a little bit harder outside of the personality quiz. Probably the next thing I would do is I would look for uh, fiction properties like video games and movies that are really close to your book and do surveys about those. Right. So if your book is really similar to Lord of the Rings, like which Lord of the Ring character are Lords of the Ring character are you? And you build out right. the whole thing. And that way you get to piggyback on this other popular intellectual property. And you're like, does that really work? And I'm like, it has made BuzzFeed millions of dollars yeah, <laughs> like that's where buzzfeed <laughs> grows its audiences with these stupid surveys and they do like what kind of millennial are you right they do a million of these stupid surveys and uh, for those of you who are wondering about the plugin if you go to authormedia.social i see in the chat people are asking about it go to authormedia.social you can find both a link to jonathan's 
use of it. In fact, Jonathan, if you want to comment on the deals page with a link to your survey, people can sure. check it out. Just go to the deals page. I think it's the top. It's one of the top deals right now. It makes me happy to see the tactics to talk about on the show work for folks. Yes. <laughs> yes, they do work. Congratulations um, on your 300th episode and uh, have fun on the rest of your celebration here. Thank you, John. Our next person with a question is Donna. So Donna, welcome and welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast. So I want to understand story origin, but actually more importantly, it's if, so at the moment I have my book being looked at by a traditional publisher and I'm wondering, I, I know as an indie publisher, I can use these things easily. They, you know, and I can do my own thing, but how does that work with a traditional publisher? If they, you know, if you have one. So uh, Evan Gal, the creator of Story Origin, just happened to be here. So I brought him on ah, screen. <laughs> so uh, Evan, welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast. Thanks for having me on. So I'll give a, a short answer and then I'll kick it to Evan. So what you have to be careful with if you want a book to be traditionally published is whether or not that book has been published previously. Some publishers really care about that. And so if you're wanting to use a tool like Story Origin, uh, to grow your email list, what you want to give away on with story origin, there are things like short stories or maybe a prequel or a novella with the same characters, but not the actual book that you are uh, planning to publish traditionally. So that's that's if, if you, you can still use it and it's a great tool for traditionally published authors, you just have to be careful of that one restriction. And you also have to be careful once your book is out giving it away, you have rented the copyright to your publisher. And so you're actually potentially violating the copyright of your own book to give away a free copy, depending on how the contract is worded. So you, before you use a tool like Story Origin to give someone a free copy of the book that they could buy at the store, you need to make sure it's it's kosher with your publisher. And I would do that in writing. <laughs> if you're going to get permission from them, uh, don't get it over the phone. Evan, you anything you want to add to that? I would just say that building your mailing list for traditionally published authors is incredibly important. I think it's something that traditionally published authors don't focus too much on, but actually having a mailing list and having an audience is actually going to increase the chances that a publisher is actually going to accept your work and, and publish it for you. Now, how do you actually build a mailing list if your work isn't published yet? Like Thomas was saying, the thing that I would recommend doing is usually writing a prequel short story to your book or your series, and that being the thing that you give away for free when people sign up to your mailing list. Yeah, I wrote a content magnet, and as I put it into my proposal, I suggested that it could be a bonus book to go along with the series. But I'm a little bit leery of actually publishing it right now because I'm afraid of what how they'll view that as perhaps jumping the gun before a series gets published. I don't know if you have thoughts about that. If, if it's presented as a prequel, no publisher should have a problem with it. And, and if they do, they're probably not the kind of publisher you want to work with <laughs> because they're their thinking is stuck in the 1900s and it's not the 1900s anymore. And you want people jazzed and excited about a book. And if you can get people jazzed and excited about a book, that's the first book of a series that's not yet out. Who wouldn't want that? Everybody wants that. So I wouldn't worry too much about publishers having an issue with that. They like sure bets. That's 
they are addicted to sure bets. <laughs> and the other thing that makes your book look like a sure bet is the size of your email list. So if you can say, I've got 10,000 people who've read the prequel and I have their email addresses. And now they're going to sit up and be like, hmm. That book's going to be a lot easier for us to sell to get those initial, that initial attention. Evan, for those who don't know what you do, can you give us a quick commercial about Story Origin? Yeah, the quick one-liner on Story Origin is it's a uh, marketing tool and a community of authors working together to build their mailing lists, increase their sales, and find reviewers. And most recently, to manage their beta copies and collecting feedback from beta readers. Yes, tell us about this feature, because when we talked last, it was hush-hush. For somebody who has a beta reader team, the story origin will allow you to send out copies of your book that they can easily read and easily give you feedback back on your book. Yeah, that's right. So you basically, you can upload your manuscript to story origin. Uh, you'll get a landing page for it. Then you can send that link out to your mailing list, which you can grow with story origin. And then you can have readers apply to get access to that beta copy. And you can just approve the people that you want to approve for access to actually read it. And then readers have to read and leave feedback on each chapter in order to unlock the next chapter as they go. So you actually make sure that you're getting feedback on, on the whole story the whole way through rather than just you know, giving them a full file and then them saying, oh, yeah, it was great, which is not really the feedback you're looking for out of a beta copy, right? Like you sort right. of want feedback along the whole story. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on episode 300 and great yes congratulations on, on episode 300 i remember our conversation uh a few years back and a, a lot of this story is it was bringing up memories for me so <laughs> congratulations again on reaching episode 300 very exciting thank you uh, john matthew walker welcome to the novel marketing podcast thanks a lot congratulations on episode 300 what advice do you have about hiring a publicist there's two things a publicist provides uh, connections with influential media people and the labor of reaching out to, to folks and getting you booked. And that is really what, when it comes to how expensive the publicist is, the connections are what make them expensive. If they don't have a lot of connections, I don't actually think you should hire a publicist. I think you should hire a virtual assistant because mm -hmm. a virtual assistant, you can find a virtual assistant for 15, 20, $25 an hour who can use the podcast host directory, which I didn't even talk about. <laughs> One of the perks of being a patron is we have a directory of podcast hosts where you can get their email address and reach out to them. So I included in Obscure No More and in the book launch blueprint is a course that I made called How to Get Booked as a Podcast Guest. And in that, I, I talked you through exactly how to put a pitch together. I even have a template of like, here's exactly what to say with, with an example and some fill in the blanks. And then I have media coaching on how to sound good on the microphone. And you know, basically a lot of things I've learned doing radio and podcasting for the last 15 years. And uh, we just had somebody post on authormedia.social being like, I went through the course and I immediately got booked as a guest on a podcast. And that's a lot cheaper than hiring a PR person. And I had, I have one friend actually who had her publisher hired her a PR firm. And while her PR firm was working, she was using the podcast host directory and the principles taught in the how to get booked as a podcast guest. And she was getting more bookings for herself 
and her PR firm was getting for her. Mm. And her PR oh. firm was like a $10,000 PR firm. And so she would reach out, they would invite her to come on. Then she would forward the info onto her PR company. And like, what are you, what is your publisher paying them to do? <laughs> but you'd be surprised. Very few PR firms are patrons of the podcast and have access to the podcast host directory. And so you actually have a better tool for $10 a month uh, being a patron, which is actually a perfect time uh, for me to do. I forgot to do my become a patron <laughs> sponsor read. So th the Novel Marketing Podcast is supported by listeners like you. And if you would like to become a patron and support the show, you get a bunch of really cool perks. Uh, at one level, you get access to the podcast host directory, but all patrons get access to the patrons only episode, which is a once a month episode where I answer your questions and not only answering questions, but I'm also starting to comment on things that are going on in author news. So uh, in this month's episode, we talk about how to avoid bad advice, what the Apple iOS changes mean for author email newsletters, because the uh, open rates are being tracked differently. We answered questions about email open rates, launch team, launch team burnout, uh, writing contests, what the MailChimp Intuit buyout means for authors, and a whole lot more. So if you'd like to become a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, go to authormedia.com slash patron. And let me jump in just real quick here, since I have no vested interest and I have no financial interest in the program anymore. I, I, I gave Thomas this quote where I said, if there was only one person I could listen to with regard to publishing and marketing and branding, it would be Thomas. And I absolutely 100% mean that. In other words, I know enough about the behind the scenes because I was part of it so, for so many years that the, the amount of energy and time and passion that Thomas puts into us, the value you get as a patron is, I think he's underselling himself. So yeah, I, I would say click the button. You'll, you'll get a lot more than you expected. Thank you, Jim. That was very kind. We didn't coordinate this. <laughs> I um, would have been more prepared setting up guests, but my whole family got COVID this week and my dad has long haul COVID. So he may have COVID for a long time. <laughs> and so yeah, I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to do this episode. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't do the prep that I normally would, but I appreciate all of you. Also, thank you to those of you who've shared the podcast. We just had our biggest month of downloads ever, and uh, that's due in no small part to you uh, sharing the podcast with a friend. So if you have shared the podcast with a friend, I really appreciate it. The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of Author Media. The blog post is by Shauna Lettler. And our special guest, our surprise special guest is James L. Rubart, who's back from his not doing the show every week. But it's nice to have him back when we can get him. And I, of course, am Thomas Umstadt Jr. And you can find the blog post version of this episode at authormedia.com slash 300. Thank you for listening and live long and prosper.